this paper that I'm presenting is um, uh, comes from a PhD uh, work. is an Erasmus Mund PhD student, Pies uh, Mitaroy. And this is a typical uh, Dutch arrangement. Basically, there is a PhD student, the promoter of the PhD student, and the assistant. So it's something like, for here is called the PhD panel, which means that we were three with very different backgrounds trying to contribute in different ways to what the PhD student uh, does. And the PhD student, rather than, especially in the scientific um, disciplines, tend to write a collection of papers as a PhD rather than a monograph. So I'm telling this because this means that I'm presenting the paper, but different parts of the paper have been developed by different people. So I also try to uh, well, answer all your questions, but there could be some issues that I cannot go so much in detail. It depends. Anyway, ask whatever, and then we see what happens. No, too many. Okay. Well, very simple overview. Uh, we'll introduce the framework, then the city of Ahmedabad, where the case where the data come from. It's a city in the center west part of India, where, by the way, I spent some time. Then introduce the methodology, which could be called the double-layered ego networks, the profiling that we did on the data, and then there's a kind of discussion why is this new angle of cluster population could be interesting and what are the possible consequences of it in application. So framework, very broadly speaking, usually the potential effect of IT on travel uh, since uh, 60s, late, late, late 60s, 70s, were about the substitution or complementarity. Basically, there were people assuming to have social networks. And then if now we have the IT changing the behavior of people, landlines at, at that point, do they substitute? Uh, the travel, do people substitute travel with communication or do they complement each other? Most of the research that we have found were going for an either or situation. So sometimes the hypothesis to test was about is there a substitution there? Some other cases said no, no, and we only look at complementarity. We were trying to find a way to see how these two uh, interact one with the other. And to do that, we thought that a good entry point was to change the assumption. So our assumption has been that the social network of people, and I'm not talking about Facebook, I mean the actual social network, the relations that people have, uh, the network correlation is stable. And this, at the end, is quite intuitive, and I mean, it's probably a, sta a, a good assumption to do. I mean, you don't change your friends overnight. Uh, family members are quite stable uh, for four years, at least. Uh, you don't change job so frequently. So there is a stability in the social network. So if we assume that that part is stable, then we could see that uh, people by changing uh, aspects of their life, they will change the way they maintain the network while the network remains stable, which translates into, if you have your friends, if you live close to them, you may like to visit them face to face, but if you change job and you go somewhere else in the city or in a different city, you maintain the relation by communicating with them. Mobile phones, emails, you name it. So 
what is being investigated here is the balance, the way that the ego, that the, uh, the actors, maintain the network and balance it uh, differently. Clear? Does it make sense? So, in, in other words, we were looking at the trade-offs. To maintain any kind of relation, you are, you are in, uh, in a trade-off. Do you go with some friends to have dinner with them, or do you go for a weekend somewhere else with other people? You make a choice, you have to make a choice, but then you call the others. All these are trade-offs uh, between e-communication and travel. So, we wanted to see if this network is stable, how we can profile, cluster and profile people according to their differ uh, different uh, propensity towards traveling or towards communicating. Basically, we would like to end up in a group, in a homogeneous group, and then in heterogeneous groups and see what happens there. This is the city. I don't know if any of you knowing me a bit. I've been staying in, uh, in Gujarat. This is center west of India, especially here and here for several months in 2006. Uh, my work there is not evident here, but I think that it's good to have spent time there because you get a sense of how things work, the kind of social relation that people have and maintain. Then you make some, uh, some model and then you lose sight of those relations. But just to have the idea of what you can check, what you can look for, depends on having been spending time there. All this part of India is the most economically developed. The center west down to the west, coast, Karnataka, this is where Bangalore is, the so-called si uh, Silicon Valley of India, Hyderabad is here, so. Uh, which means also that there is a huge uh, urbanization pressure. Uh, cities grow at an incredible rate. Gujarat, in Gujarat, Ahmedabad is the capital, uh, was, I think, two millions early 90s. Population doubled in 15 years. Uh, it's the third fastest city growing in the world, which makes it, which makes the case more interesting if people have to rebalance the way they handle their relations. Sometimes, just a matter of traffic, you cannot travel enough, you cannot go uh, all the places you would like to, so you are forced to change the way you maintain your relations. For example, in 10 years, in 11 years, the vehicles more than doubled, as you can see here. Okay. So, quick view, uh, quick glance at methodology what I call the double layer ego networks. This research has been, it's based on a very small questionnaire, uh, a very small sample. I mean, on a population of four millions, there are only 436 questionnaires that were uh, collected, very small number. Still, we got it published, not because the significance or representativity of the sample, but because the reviewers find kind of interesting the angle and the research question we had on, on, on this data. Uh, what was the data about? So we assume that people have these networks, social relations, they maintain, and we wanted to see to what extent they travel, to what extent they communicate. And then we just took it as it is. So let's do, let's map two networks 
one of the physical travel and one for the virtual, communi virtual communication, computer-mediated communication, you name it. So which the kind of communication that do not imply traveling, basically, any kind of traveling. Which means that for each ego, we had these two networks. An ego-centered network, because we found that other studies try to have a whole network uh, were limited in two senses. On one side, if they limited the number of uh, hubs around the, the person, they were too small. So each, e each network was not uh, large enough to be representative to include the weak ties. And uh, if, you don't put, if they didn't put any confinement, any restriction of, on the extension of the network, it was too big, difficult to, to, to analyze and to maintain it in the data. So we did these two networks, and then basically we said, okay, we have these two networks for each person. It is the same person. We just make a ratio on the two. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> and these were the characteristics of a network that we considered. Uh, closeness, average degree, density, diameter, path lengths, transitivity, and vertices. Uh, are you familiar with, all, with social network analysis? Do you have any experience on that? Are you proficient or? Well, if it's relevant, what I can do here is to tell you a bit what are the definition of those and then why we decided to, 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 to keep them, to consider them very quickly. And then if you say, oh, we know that, then I just stop. So closeness. Uh, provides the degree an individual is near all other individuals in network, directly or indirectly. And it reflects the ability to access information through the network members. Thus, closeness is the inverse of the sum of the shortest distance between each individual and every other person in the network. So, in a sense, to what extent <laughs> the network of, of, of the ego network is close to the And we wanted to, man to, to maintain that because um, the CT ratio uh, as either travel or physically communica uh, physical communication or visual communication has to be maintained. So if it is closer, uh, you have many more, uh, less uh, opportunity to, to unbalance your network. The average degree, I probably skip the definition and just tell you why we thought about keeping it is the higher degree, oh, the higher degree for more number of people that know each other, and the lower number of degree and the lesser, would imply the lesser number of people knowing each other. Um, this, so in order to inquire for this number of contacts, we could see the effect on the variable that this implies. Density, we kept it because the density shows how well everyone is connected in the network, and the relevance of density to transport and communication is that we assume higher the density, uh, more in interaction via communication and transport, and vice versa. Diameter has been important here for the city balance. CT stands for communication travel. Uh, what was the city balance? Diameter is important for the city balance because the bigger diameter, the more is the chance of individuals shifting to e-communication for maintaining the network. 
then we have the path length, and uh, it is important when dealing with one's CT uh, balance because some information travel virtually. For example, uh, information can be posted on Facebook and people will get to know, while other have to be passed on uh, face to face. Sensitivity is important for the CT balance because when individuals belong to different profiles, I'll, I'll show you profiles soon, uh, their transitivity becomes high while density, density remains low. And this can be used to explain uh, particular CT behaviors. And finally, the vertices. It's important for the CT balance because it's usually found that more people once know, one knows, more is she, he, she uh, has to either physically travel or virtually communicate to maintain that relation. So if we have this, it made some sense to us to, to maintain. These are the numbers that we came up with. So we have all these networks. For each ego, we kept two. So we ended up with four, uh, 860 something networks. A few questions that could not be considered, the way outliers. And then we calculated the ratio, basically. That was the, the simple uh, process that we followed. And once we had this, we applied key means on the seven characteristics to see if there was some kind of clustering possible, if there was some pattern emerging from, from those networks. And we arrived to five profiles. And these are examples of the two networks, to visualize them a bit. Uh, it's important to, uh, to, to keep in mind that these five profiles we have uh, are out of the, the key means on the, on the data set, but they are not or ordinal because it's based, they are based on seven different, I cannot explain more the details, but I was uh, repeated many times. Don't say that this is a, a linear uh, clustering because being based on several different uh, dimensions of the network, the key means does not provide an ordinal scale. Perhaps people here can tell more about this than I can. <laughs> but in any case, we have at least two, two clear streams. One is what we call the easy riders. As you can see, are the people that tend to have a well-developed network of uh, physical, face-to-face -face interaction, and a not well-developed network of virtual communication, or computer-mediated communication. I don't know if you can see this, but here it's the kind of uh, alters that are in the network. So this is the extended family, extended family. These are all extended families. Here we have, you can read it here, friends here. On the top is family, the nuclear uh, part of the family, uh, acquaintances, and extended families. So this is one uh, of the five clusters. And this is the kind of opposite. These are the people that tend to have a tiny physical network of relations, or face-to-face, uh, -face, their network is maintaining only uh, marginally by face-to-face -face interactions, and is heavily maintained by other kind of communications. And then you can see this is very typical of India. Um, would have liked to have Indians here because it's always interesting to discuss. You see how this dense network is uh, 
made of extended family members. Our guess, and I mean this is confirmed by the PhD student who is Indian, that this shape would be very different in different cultures in different societies. So the extended family would be less prominent, uh, profession networks could be uh, more evident depending on other variables. And then you have acquaintances here. It's the same type of alters that are mapped in this network. We have profile three. Yeah. What we call the well-adjusted. In this case, you can see that the ratio between the two networks is not so unbalanced as the previous two cases. Uh, people tend to maintain uh, their relations both physically and virtually. Um, we were in a kind of uh, analytically difficult situation because this profile in terms of ratio is not very different from this one. But these people have a much wider network. So the ratio seems the same, but then if you look at the absolute numbers, these people have a much wider network of connections. So we, deci we decided it was worth to differentiate them because we were still in the domain of social network analysis, but we thought that as there was such a clear difference, we need to account for this and profiling people differently. This then was checked with more qualitative data so we picked some of these people and we said, okay, how is possible? And on the previous, uh, on this other profile, and we asked, how is possible that these people are so different from that? Why? What, what does it mean in real life? And actually these people tend to be, not many, more businessmen, business people, politicians. So they have to maintain a huge network and they maintain it the way they can. So they have to travel, they travel, they have to, they call, no problem. So the size of the network is, is larger, but the balance is the same. And then finally, we had those that we really didn't know exactly how to call them, but they're the digital inclined. So you can see propensity. The network has, uh, is denser here. Uh, they tend to be a bit more on the, on the IT side of relation maintenance but still, they have a well-developed network and articulated also between the different social groups on the physical side. Does it ring any bell? I mean, even, I don't know if you've been staying in India, but does it make sense? So, could you see the, the, the logic of, of these two networks? Would you think that this could apply also here or other places? data collection, the cutoff was something like, we collect data asking uh, how many people have you been interacting with in the last week, in the last month. And that was the boundary of the network. The extension to which data was collected. There is also another kind of boundary that I didn't mention but was important here. We avoided to consider all the social relations that extended beyond the city. Because uh, in that case, the, uh, 
complementarity and substitution were not evident anymore. I mean, going every day out of the city is not an option. So would have been a problem for our data because then you don't see the substitution as a possibility. So we decided all relations that extend be, uh, beyond the city were not considered. Other limitations, which was a problem because, for example, uh, over email or Facebook, you know, in some cases we don't even know what people are exactly. So we had some kind of problems. But we managed to convince the reviewers that was good enough, <laughs> the data was reliable enough. check that but certainly could be something to, to look into because we kept this idea very simple because also we found that it was easier then to, to implement and to correlate to plenty of other possible variables certainly this is one of them uh, we didn't go into any content of communication the, the strength of the ties was only based on the frequency of the interaction nothing else uh, but now on the top of my head, I think there could be a several kind of uh, ways of for look at this data together with the kind of content, for example, uh, the communications that are for business purposes, that they, they may not match with uh, uh, family members because you can have some business with family members, especially in the extended family members, or you may have personal communications with colleagues. So there could be something to look for there. It's a possibility. Right? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there was nothing about the content. So yeah, this person is your friend, but we have no clue. Was family Nuclear family, we wanted to keep this separated because at some point uh, Priya Smith, uh, the, the first author, said, no, we just keep family. Extended or nuclear, we don't want to differentiate because in India sometimes they live in, in the same household and sometimes they don't. So it's difficult to differentiate. But then we thought, let's give it a try because if we want to use the same model somewhere else, we have this differentiation more it's needed, so it's good. To so certainly there was this. Then there were uh, colleagues, uh, clients, uh, became, clients became business partners, and, uh, and then we have friends and uh, acquaintances. Yeah. And then beside this, we didn't use it here, we collected some social demographics basic ones, uh, age, education level, and uh, also where people, what is the place of residence of people. We found that this was interesting because also distance, of course, can uh, affect a lot your choice about how you want to change the network. 
then this can become more, more, com more sophisticated because distance itself doesn't say much. It's more like, for example, the time it takes to go from A to B. Could be close, but jam, whatever, don't get there easily. Could be expensive, could be depending on the time of the day. I mean, everyone knows very well that it could be difficult to, to arrive from the city center to here at eight in the morning. It's very fast, eight in the nine in the evening. So all this could be added. Okay, so we had this simple idea and then we said, okay, how does it compare to more traditional ways of clustering population in the city and to foresee or try to foresee something about the travel behavior of people? I'm not a transport engineer, but one of the two of the authors are, and they always had the problem that the income does not explain, uh, income level does not explain uh, the travel behavior. It's not that higher income implies more travel or lower income implies less travel. It, it's not the case that uh, a clear correlation between uh, income, for example, or, or not even uh, age or education about the use of IT, for example. Because in the IT we include phone, and even illiterate people use the phone a lot. So also the literacy level does not relate clearly. Um, so this could be interesting to see because you can make a hypothesis that if people tend to be more inclined to travel, depending on where they are in the city, they will generate more traffic on the road infrastructure or not, or on the public transport, if you have a public transport, and so on. Also, the travel cost didn't prove very uh, predictive. And also, to these people, we thought, could find interesting the clustering of people depending on their propensity and uh, the cost-benefit analysis which is very typical in transport geography really doesn't explain a huge I mean a, a, a remarkable part of the, of the data set especially if you include such big parts of extended families I mean this behavior maintaining these relations is not a cost does not is not captured or explained by cost-benefit analysis so we thought that by mapping uh, relations this way, we could better see something about the trends uh, of the way, uh, about the way people maintain their relations beyond the cost-benefit analysis, which is assumed to be the basis, for example, for agent modeling. We, we, we did that, uh, no, 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 this is more that the, the, the socioeconomic indicators was tested on, on the profiles and we saw the different profiles could have the same kind of in, uh, socioeconomic indicators level. So, which meant that our data set was, was cut differently by the profiles compared to the, uh, the socioeconomic indicators. 
In this case, we just found out and discussed with the reviewers at some point that we didn't do any research on this, but we agreed that this could be relevant because of all the relations that are not explained by cost-benefit analysis. Because we, uh, this is one of the many things that could be done out of this. We thought that, I mean, of course you can say, if I want to go to see my ankle, my ankle somewhere, uh, if it's 10 kilometers away, it costs euros in gasoline and whatever and make a phone call can be half it doesn't take the, 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 the time to get there but you don't make this kind of uh, reasoning in deciding or not the person that you want to see you do that so at least we have we, we thought and we uh, claim that this is captured here but how this affect is open And, and this was, uh, last but not least, was in, oh, sorry. I think that here we were more, we didn't measure any benefit. We said that uh, our model can be alternative, can expand, can say, can capture something that this kind of analysis would not capture. Because some of the networks, and the balance between the networks is not explained by a cost benefit analysis. But I don't know if this was your. Well, actually, the thing is that how can you measure the benefit of that? Yeah, yeah. But, but still, but rather than say we don't know, we cannot measure it, and we don't do anything, we say, well, we have something to say about that. Because this network is actually maintained. Whatever it costs, or independently from the cost of maintaining the network, you maintain your physical network also with the extended family. Yeah, yeah, it's a fictional argument. But possibly. So people do do things even if they, they, they Yeah, I mean people may not have the actual resources but still they do that. We don't know. I mean, we just say that this can capture something of those aspects. Rather than leaving that aside, say, well, there is something captured by, by this, this way of collecting and collecting data. We don't have a time series of those networks, but this could be interesting because if people move in the city, they change the, the place where they live, then you can see the different pressure they put on the different kinds of infrastructure. For example, this is, this is under the influence of one of the, of the other authors, an urbanist that wanted to say, well, okay, uh, this city is evolving very fast and uh, it's a, a big IT hub in India. 
especially call centers. And there is a lot of money coming in for that. And the city council, the town planning, has to decide where to put those, hub, the, those IT hubs in the city. How to decide? It's always been a, a major problem. If you put it outside of the city, how do you handle the traffic? And what kind of people would work in these IT hubs? You may expect that these are more the I generation kind of people with uh, high propensity towards computer-mediated uh, communication that don't travel much. And if this is the case, if it's the kind of people that are supposed to come in, then it's okay to put them outside of the city. But if you have other kind of activities that require also face-to-face -face interaction, work but then if you put these people in a different place what kind of pressure can you expect on the, on the, on the physical network of the city so there is something that not being captured by the other indicators could be useful also on the, on the practical side of urban planning yeah, I probably anticipated that uh, we don't have, I, I don't have the data here, but for some of the people we also saw how the network is distributed in the city, which can tell something about not only the relevance of distance in choosing what kind of mode of transportation to use, can also be used to explain multimodality, for example, people take the bike for a while, and then they take a bus, and then they walk, or they take the car at some, at some, uh, some time uh, for, for uh, part of the trip, and then they take a train, all this could be used uh, much better if you have all these uh, networks in your space. Then you see actually the availability of uh, infrastructure through the city and how this is used. And how different profiles use it differently. Uh, one this part of the initial idea for this was that, you know, in, in several societies, uh, you can provide all possible public transport. People go by car. And there's no way that you could stop to do that. You can increase the, the, the taxes on gasoline and so on. Still, whatever kind of situation you or obstacle you try to put to, to the car use, still it's very unelastic. Perhaps having a better sense of where to put obstacles is a way to change people, the <laughs> way people travel or commute. It's also part of the, of the urban policy that could be considered. Um, would be nice to have a time series of those networks, but this was collected two years ago, so in one, two years would be nice to collect it again and see what happens. And the IT policies was a, a, a point for the Ahmedabad City Council because of the investment in IT.